Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Man, I love you. I thank God for you. Uh, I miss you. Can't wait till we're together again face to face. But here's what I want to know. I want to know how you're doing. Uh, But I can tell you how you're doing. If I would know how you're feeling, and I can actually tell you how you're feeling, not by taking your temperature or your pulse or your blood pressure. I can literally tell you how you're feeling if I know how well you're holding on to God's dream for your life. Because when you hold on to God's dream for your life, it lifts you up, it carries you, it sustains you, it fills you with the kind of thing like love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, most people in the world haven't got a clue about God's dream uh, for their lives. And so their lives feel anywhere from blah to boring at best and at worst, scary and worrisome. They just feel like they're surviving each day, just getting by, just existing, just like their heads, just keeping their heads above water, treading for all they're worth just to get through. But people who know, who are certain of God's dream for their lives and are living out that dream, man, they make the transition from just coping in life to conquering in life, from just surviving to thriving, from from just existing to to excelling in life. And and maybe you want to tell me, well, David, how can I hold on to God's dream for my life when I don't even know God's dream for my life? Well, I'm glad you're listening. I would believe that God has you listening. I would believe that God has arranged this moment for you to tune in so he can begin to disclose to you his dream for your life. I wanted you to hear the passion, the thrill, the excitement in the voice of a man who knew God's dream for his life and was living it. In fact, he, his passion was so intense that he put his gratitude in the words of a song. And let me share it with you. This is Psalm 139. David sings, you, O God, saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. What was true of David? I mean, it overwhelmed him that previous, even to his birth, that God had already laid out an agenda for his life, a day-by-day schedule that would day-by-day unfold God's dream for his life. And the same is true of you and I. God has a schedule for each day of our lives. Now, we can neglect the schedule, we can ignore the schedule, we can reject the schedule, or we can get our lives on God's agenda. And he lets us choose God's agenda or our agenda. We get on his his schedule, or we just do whatever we darn well please. David had himself on God's schedule, and here's how he continues to sing Every day is recorded in your book. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. That is an overwhelming thought that God can't stop thinking about you. That his mind is continually filled with thoughts of you and to your good. In fact, the mind of Jesus, as he thinks for about you, he prays for you. 
the mind of God. And it says every day of our lives are recorded in his book. The dream of God is in his book and it can't be erased. A pandemic cannot change God's dream for your life. Uh, marital problems cannot change. The dream is in the book. Parenting pain cannot erase God's dream for your life. It's in the book. Financial setbacks cannot alter God's dream for your life. It's written by God in his book. And so we, we feel secure knowing that God has a dream. In fact, more than secure, the number one, the, the, the very first step toward living God's dream for our lives is to be thankful. Thankful, God, thank you. My, 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 my heart is overfilled with gratitude that you would have a dream for my life, that you would empower me, that you would, that, that you would strengthen me, that you would show me the way to live that dream day by day. Now, I, I tell you, God will allow things like a pandemic, uh, racial injustice, to shake your dreams. Because what God is trying to do is trying to shake the smallness out of your dream. Uh, for a long time, I've had a, a dream for Central Christian Church to be all-inclusive, all colors, all peoples, all, all cultures, Everyone, the arms of Jesus are spread wide open to everyone. And I will not let go of that dream. And so I'm grateful that God has given me that dream because bit by bit, time by time, he unfolds it. But God will allow my dreams for my life and our church to be shaken because he wants to shake the smallness. If it's too small, he wants to shake that out of my heart. If it's too selfish, God will allow my dream to be shaken if my dream is all about me. Let me tell you how this happened in my life back <laughs> a long, long time ago in uh, middle school. Uh, I had a dream girl. Uh, she consumed my thoughts. I, I thought she was beautiful. I dreamed of, she told me she thought I was cute. Can you imagine? Um, so I had dreams of holding her hand and walking her home from school and being willing to carry her books. And um, she was my dream girl. In fact, one day, uh, at recess, a recess, a fresh, wet snow had fallen. And I was outside at recess and playground uh, having a snowball fight with a bunch of other boys. And I looked over at the school door, and in the window of the school door was the face of that pretty little girl who'd entered my dreams. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is moment. I packed together a, a snowball and I fired it at that window thinking, you know, if that thing, this will impress her, I'll get her attention, we'll laugh about it later. And as I watched that snowball fly on target, I just kind of smiled to myself. But in the moment before impact, the little girl's face left the frame of the window in the door of the school, and into the frame came the face of the principal. Oh my God, bam, that snowball hit that window. That door flies open. He comes chasing out. All the kids, including my dream girl, come flooding out behind him. They want to see what's going to happen. Well, the principal rushes up to me, grabs me by the arm and starts shaking me. What are you doing? And I said, I'm all shook up. Mm -hmm. Last part wasn't true, but the shake up part, it was humiliating. There I was being uh, shaken up by the principal with that little girl watching. You know that dream girl? She never, never gave me the time of day after that moment. 
You see, my dream was too little. My dream was too self-consumed. My dream was too much about me and how it would feel if I held her hand and I walked her home. And My dream was too small, too selfish. And so little selfish dreams can't stand too much shaking. Um, here's what the Word of God tells us. All creation will be shaken. Your dreams, my dreams. It feels like our whole nation is being shaken now by, by racial injustice and by, by violence and anger and frustration and discontent. It feels like our nation, our community is being shaken uh, by this COVID-19 virus. I mean, you may feel a shaking in your home, in your family, in your emotions at the core of your being. All creation will be shaken so that only unshakable things remain. This is why God allows shaking to go on in our lives. Work, finances, family. To shake out the little stuff, to shake out the unimportant stuff, to, 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 to shake out what doesn't matter, to shake out what's selfish. All creation will be shaken so that only unshakable things will remain since we are receiving from our King Jesus a kingdom that is unshakable. In that kingdom of our King Jesus, that's where, where we find and live the dream of God for our lives and it is unshakable. So as a result, let us be thankful and please God by our worship. Maybe the best uh, account in Scripture of of this very thing where, where someone had little dreams and selfish dreams and they just got, the sh just got shook out of them. It's the story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob wanted what he wanted, when he wanted it, however it demanded to get it. He would do anything. He would lie, cheat, steal, deceive. In fact, Jacob, his name became synonymous with lying and cheating and stealing and deceiving, even though originally the name Jacob in the Bible means God pursues and God protects. What a great name. I named my youngest biological son Jacob because I wanted him to live with God pursuing him and protecting him. God pursues and God protects well, when we find Jacob in our story in the Word of God, uh, he had lied one time too many. He's on the run for his life because he, the, the deceit, the theft was so huge and, and so painful to the people in his life. They wanted him dead. No more. Not another lie. Not another deceit. You're not stealing one more thing from me because I'm going to kill you. So he's... He's running as fast as he can, as far as he can from the scene of his last crime. And that's where we take up his story in the word of God. Uh, Genesis 28, the word of God says at sundown. So, uh, I mean, Jacob's exhausted. He is absolutely done in because this hasn't been a, a stroll or a pleasant walk or even a hearty hike. He has been running for his life all day long, as fast as he can, to get away from those who want to kill him. Probably think, why did I tell that one last lie? Why did I steal that one last time? Why did I deceive my own family? At sundown, Jacob arrived at a, at a good place to set up camp and stop there, just absolutely done in. He was probably carrying everything he owned on his back, drops his pack, Stops there for the night. He found, he was so ready to go to sleep, no supper. He finds a stone on which to rest his head. 
is so exhausted, just goes right to sleep. And as he slept, he dreamed. He dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven. He saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord himself who said, I am the Lord, your God. Now here's the wild part. God says the ground you're living on, you're lying on, that ground is yours for as far as you can see. This land is yours. This country is yours. I'm giving it to you. The ground you're lying on belongs to you now. I'm giving it to you. In fact, it'll be belong to your family for generations after gener all your descendants. What's more, I'm promising you, I am with you and will protect you wherever you go. You don't even know where you're going, but I'm going ahead of you to protect you and provide for you. And one day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. And, and, and then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Not, I, I've been there. And, and the truth about you is that you have been there. That God is in this pandemic and we didn't even know it. That, that God is in the violence and we weren't even aware of it. That, that God is in the injustice and the hatred and the bigotry. Because God wants to undo the hatred and the violence and the bigotry. The, the heart of God for every person is that every person is made in his image. Every person is beautiful. And he has a plan, a dream for every person's life. God was present in the marital struggles and we weren't even aware of his presence. God was present in the parenting pain and we didn't even know it. God was, God was in the unemployment. God was in the financial setback and, and, and we didn't even know it. But, but here's what Jacob found out. Here's what he says. What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God. Jacob would have never arrived at this specific geographical location except that he was driven by his desperation, except that he was uh, driven by intimidation and, and perilous problems in his life. The problems, the pain drove him to this place, but he recognizes it now as an awesome place. And, and it, it was only by the stress in his life and the struggle in his life that he got to awesome and, and the same as, like, for my marriage to Debbie. We, we've only got to awesome through the stress and the struggle. I mean, how do you get to a good place with your children except through stress and struggle? That, that, that certainly you can get to a good place financially, but it comes through stress and struggle. It becomes awesome, but it comes through stress and struggle. It's only through the stress and the struggle that you get to awesome. And so we thank God for the stress. We thank God for the struggle because we know it's going to lead us to awesome. Jake said, this place is awesome. This is God's house. It's one of the reasons that 
I'm leading you up to a time of communion because Jesus says that when you eat the bread that is my body and drink the juice that is my blood, I will come. I will make my home. I will set up house. I will set up residence in you. And you'll go through life living the dream of God and say, hey, God is alive in me. He's alive in my stress. He's alive in my struggle. And I'm moving into awesome. You see, he takes you from awful to awesome as you go through the struggle and stress and recognize his presence in your life. It takes the shakings of the struggle and the stress to get to awesome. And then, oh my gosh, when God climaxes, uh, puts an exclamation point uh, uh, at the end of that dream to Jacob, that statement, uh, you see, I've never had a God dream like this, but I find the dream of God in his word. God's dream for me is found in his promises to me. But notice how God climaxed his dream for Jacob. He says this, I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I promised you. That's true for you. God will not leave your marriage until he has given you everything his word promises you. He, he will not leave you in parenting pain. He, he, he will give you everything his word promises you. He will not leave you in the midst of financial struggle. He will give you everything that his word has promised you. Now, <clears throat> His word comes with conditions on the promises. David, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, Debbie, love your husband as the Lord. The promises are conditioned, but the promises are there. And when we live out the conditions, we get to awesome. We get to God's dream for our lives. doesn't matter if it's our marriage or our parenting or our finances, our employment in the midst of an epidemic or racial strife. God gets us to his dream for our lives. God gets us to his dream for our church. God gets us. He's trying to get us to his dream for our nation. It just feels so awful right now, filled with struggle and strife, but he's shaking us so that the unshaken it's what's going to remain. Unshaken harmony, unshaken love. Shake out the bigotry, oh God. Shake out the, the, the hatred, oh God. Shake out the violence, oh God. And show us your love. Show us your, oh God, have mercy and compassion on us. Um, you, you, you learn God's dream for you as you live God's promises to you, the promises the thousands and thousands of his promises. You got an issue? Open God's word to the promise for that issue. And he'll declare, he will reveal, you'll discover his dream for your life. And so here's what happens. Joseph decides to make the, a place of personal worship. He, he says this, this stone I have set up, took the stone that had been his pillow for the night, sets it up as an altar. This stone I have set up it will become a place for worshiping God. So, so in the shaking, in the struggle and the stress, turn the place you're in into a place of worshiping God. Turn the place that you're in in your marriage into a place for worshiping God. Turn the place that you're in in your parenting 
into a place for worshiping God. Turn uh, the place that you're in emotionally, financially into a place for worshiping God. Wherever you're in the struggle, wherever you're in the stress, make that situation a place for worshiping God. That sets him free to bring transformation. That sets him free to reveal and unfold his dream for your life. And then Jacob does something. Man, he wanted to seal the deal with God. He didn't want this to be a a dream that just flittered away in his thinking that he forgot two days later. He wanted to secure God's dream for his life. And you secure God's dream for your life by vowing a vow to God. Vowing a vow to God. That's what Jacob does. So, I'm going to give you what happens with Jacob, but you start to think right now, what vow do I need to make to God? Where do I need to get free of my selfishness, my smallness of mind? Here's what happens with Jacob. Jacob vowed a vow. If God stands by me and protects me on this journey on which I'm setting out, keeps me in food, meets my needs, clothing, and brings me back in one piece to my father's house, then this God will be my God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. You see, here's the dream of God for my life. And so I secure that dream for my life, and I move toward that dream by vowing a vow to God. When you vow a vow to God, he works everything together for the good in your life. When you vow a vow to God, he makes everything beautiful in its time. When you vow a vow to God, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. When you vow a vow to God, he he forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. When you vow a vow to God, he satisfies your desires with good things. When you vow a vow to God, you secure God's dream for your life. Vow, a vow to God. And and I don't want to just say that it works or that it worked for Jacob. But I'm telling you, I mean, his future would be filled with happy times and hurtful times, good days and bad days. But he kept that vow. He kept that vow. He kept that vow. And God kept the dream. And God allowed him to live the dream. He became very prosperous. He loved his family as dysfunctional and messy and messed up was his family. And he had a great, great relationship with God. In fact, on his deathbed, his last words, some of his last words were these. The God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day when I'm going to give up my life. He is the angel, capital A angel. He is the angel who has delivered me from all harm. I may get in trouble, God delivers. I may get in stress, God delivers. I may get in a struggle, God delivers because I made a vow. And so this is a perfect moment for us at the end of my talk. So we enter a time of communion. This is our time to make our vow to God. We remember that he vowed to us by the gift of his son, Jesus to save us, to rescue us, to deliver us, to forgive us of all sin, cleanse us of all guilt and shame. Jesus took our place on the cross, absorbed all the punishment we deserve. I mean, it was a nightmare for Jesus. But it became the dream of God 
for us. And, you know, there are times when everything around us feels like a nightmare. But we hold on to God's dream for our lives. And the dream of God carries us through the nightmare circumstances, the, 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 the shaking, the, the struggling, the, the stress. So I'm going to lead you into this time right now. If you would uh, take that little piece of bread or cracker or chip and let it represent for you uh, the vow Jesus kept on the cross in your behalf when he died for your sins. And um, if, if you would eat that now, knowing that he's taking up residence, knowing that he's the house of God is your heart now, he's living in you. Let me pray over you. Father, as together we consume the body of Christ, please consume us. Lord, you have proved your faithfulness by the gift of your son. Lord Jesus, that you would take our punishment, that you would die in our place. I mean, it, it's, it's too wonderful for words. It defies imagination, but we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. you. You died, Lord Jesus, so that the dream of God could come to fruition for our lives and be unshakable. Now, if you take the cup and drink the juice, let me pray over you. Lord Jesus, you say that when we eat your flesh and drink your blood, the bread and the cup, you come and live inside us. And we vow to you, Lord, now that we're sorry for our sin. We're sorry for our worry. We're sorry for our fear. Lord, we, we are so grateful for your love and your dream for our lives. We're so, we trust you, Lord, that you're at work to our good, that you will be our help and the lifter of our head. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I thank God for you. I thank God for his dream for my life, our church, and for your lives. Let's live it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.